Welcome to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church, featuring our pastor, Rebecca Duke-Barton. If you are a regular worshiper with us on the radio, I want to mention that next Sunday we plan to air a broadcast that focuses on a psalm that shouts hallelujah. That's the perfect Easter celebration. Then we're going to begin a series on the book of 1 John, which is called, This is How We Know. I'll be using the resources of J.D. Walt on 1 John. This is also a perfect scripture for Bright Sunday, as we stand in amazement about what we have seen, that Christ is risen. John says he's writing these things that our joy may be complete. May it be so. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testify to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. And we declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things that our joy may be complete. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, he will have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's 1 John 1, verse 1 through the second chapter, the second verse. Thanks be to God. Today's psalm is very short, but the first line is one of my favorite lines to quote to our children. Listen as we read Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. Hallelujah, y'all.
April the 11th will be celebrated by many churches as either Holy Humor or Bright Sunday. The idea is that churches are called to have a Sunday that is either filled with humor or led in a light and airy way. After the depth of Lent and the heavy weight of Easter, many folks just don't return the next week. The early church recognized this and developed this concept to attract more people to worship. It's often characterized by practical jokes, funny stories, and other events that make us laugh. There is a biblical basis for having laughter in worship. Let's take a look first at Luke chapter 6, verse 21. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. One of the ways that these churches have held these holy humor services is having a no-excuse Sunday. So we're going to pretend today that we're having a no-excuse Sunday. Many people have good excuses for not coming to worship. They even have a biblical basis for their understanding of why I'm not coming to worship. So for every excuse that I've heard, I'm going to give you a reason why you should come. For instance, people tell us they can't come to church because they're supposed to rest on the Sabbath. And they read from Exodus chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the day of Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. So if you read that passage out loud and you think about it for yourself, for a moment, you think to yourself, we are to rest on the Sabbath. But I have a ready answer for those who have that excuse. If your excuse for not coming to worship is that you need to rest, then I'm going to have a pillow ready for you. Some people say it's been so long since they've been to church that they just can't possibly come. In fact, they think that if they did come, the roof might even cave in on them. There is precedent for that. If you turn to Judges chapter 16, beginning with the 28th verse, you hear these words about Samson. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, Lord God, remember me and strengthen me only this once. O God, so that with this one act of revenge, I may pay back the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against him, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. He strained with all his might, and the house fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. You see, Samson had been away from God for so long, and now he finally returned, and when he did, he brought the house down. If your excuse is that you can't come to worship because the building will fall down in your head, don't worry. I will bring for you a hard hat. A third excuse people have for missing church is the air temperature. Some people say it's so cold they can't possibly come to church. Others say it's too hot, I just can't come to church. And in fact, I've heard people say something similar to that about going outside their house. Oh, preacher, it was such a cold day we couldn't leave the house. Or, preacher, it was so hot we couldn't leave the house today. Or, the weather was so nice we decided to go to the lake or to the river. Genesis chapter 31, 40 says this. It was like this with me. By day the heat consumed me and by night the cold and my sleep fled from my eyes. So if the sanctuary is too cold for you, don't worry, I'll bring you a blanket. If the sanctuary is too warm, don't worry, I'll bring you a fan. If you're afraid to get outside because it's going to be wet, I'll bring you an umbrella. 
If it's too nice, I'll take your boat keys. The next excuse involves hearing. The preacher's just too quiet. The preacher is just too loud. I can't hear anything. I've heard both from people. If you have trouble hearing me, then I want you to listen for God's voice. The Bible tells us that God speaks in the silence. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 9, I'm sorry, chapter 19, verse 11. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So if the preacher is too loud, don't worry about that. Listen for the sound of God. If the preacher is too quiet, don't worry about that. We'll listen for the sound again for God. But, again, if the preacher is too quiet, I'll provide you with a hearing device. You can put it right in your ear and you can hear every word coming right through the sound system. And if I'm too loud, don't worry, I'll get you some earplugs. Now, some people say they can't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, I'm going to say, what's one more? I'm going to have a scorecard for you. So every time you see a hypocrite and fill a category in, you're going to get a bingo. James chapter 3, verses 17 through 18 talks about that. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. The church is full of hypocrites. They just don't need to be in charge. And if you want to come, I'll bring you a scorecard so you can keep track of all the hypocrites. Now, other folks tell me they can't come to church because they had family come to town. I have to cook a big meal. I can't possibly come to worship today. So I'm going to get you a gift to the Western Sizzling so you can take the entire family out to eat when it's safe to go there again. We're going to put you right next to those people who said that you're not supposed to work. You're supposed to rest on Sunday mornings and see how that works out. Some people say you can only be with God in nature. You can't be with God in the building. So if that's your thought, then I'm going to put a slide up that has pictures of trees and grass. So you'll see nature there in the building. God is in nature, but God is also in people. And in this building. And on the radio. We need to be present in corporate worship, that is, worship together. There are many instances of people gathering to worship God in the Bible. We do need to be alone with God, but we also need to worship in community. We need to spend time walking along a nature trail in communion with God in nature, but we also need to spend time in worship with God. Jesus did both. He worshiped God alone on the mountains. We, we read in several places where he went off to pray by himself, but there are also places where he worshiped with his disciples in a synagogue. We need to spend time together in worship. The writers of the New Testament expected us to worship together. 
In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says that we are to worship. We are to what, he gives us a list of what we're supposed to even do in worship. Then the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The final thing I'm going to talk about is why we have white vestments in the sanctuary. There are some people who have never seen a sanctuary without white vestments. It's one of my pet peeves when you watch a television show and you show a church and the preacher is always backwards or judgmental. And when they show the sanctuary, the sanctuary is always full. And the pastor is always wearing a black robe with a white stole. Now we wear the white stole during the seasons of Christmas and Easter. I wonder when the writers and producers and set designers go to church. I understand now why medical professionals complain about watching shows about hospitals and why police officers complain about shows that show police work. They don't quite get it. They don't completely understand. People don't understand church. They need to be there more often so they can understand better what God wants them to do and who God wants them to be. Now, this is not supposed to be a heavy sermon. I want you to just have a light and airy moment, a laugh, perhaps. I want you to recall that God played what amounts to the ultimate practical joke on Satan. Jesus died on Good Friday, that he arose from the dead on Easter, and in so doing, defeated death. Easter is not supposed to be celebrated on just one Sunday, but for an entire season. In fact, a professor in seminary that we had told us that each Sunday should be a little Easter. As we sing the closing hymn, let's remember to laugh. Laugh with God. Cry with God. Allow your full emotions to be felt. And worship with other people together in a safe space where you can share and build each other up in joy, in the joy of the Lord. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church with Rebecca Duke Barton. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website. It's jessupfumc.org. That's J-E-S-U-P-F-U-M-C dot org.